Hello, welcome back to Know the Saints. And today, September 15, we'll be meditating or talking about the seven dollars of Mary or the seven sorrows of Mary. What does the seven sorrows of Mary represent? Catholics have long associated the Latin term dolor, meaning sorrow or pain, with the sorrows of Mary, the mother of God. She is often pictured with seven swords representing seven sorrows. At Fatima on October 13, 1917, during the miracle of the sun, the children saw our Heavenly Mother appear as Our Lady of the Sorrows. In the Gospels, we read of Our Lady of Sorrows at the foot of the cross watching her son die. Most of the material for this talk is taken from Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen. If you wish to know and love Jesus more, get to know and love his mother more. St. Louis of Montfort says, the more a soul is consecrated to Mary, the more it is consecrated to Jesus. But then the next question comes to our mind, who is Mary? This magnificent masterpiece of God's creation was immaculate from the first moment of her conception. She was conceived without the stain of original sin upon her soul. She was never at any moment under the power of Satan. Her will was always in perfect union with the will of God. How else could there be a eternity between her or the woman and the evil between her seed and his seed as quoted in Genesis, she shall crush your head. She is the co-redemptrix. She cooperated perfectly with our Lord for our redemption. Her great grief was watching her beloved son died on the cross and not being able to die instead of him. But Our Lady's greatest affliction is the gratitude or, sorry, ingratitude of men toward our Lord's great sacrifice and death. She alone knows and understands completely what our Lord endured for our salvation. She alone realizes and comprehends the horror of sin and how much one sin offends God, who is infinite Godness, love, and mercy. She alone fully understands that God is the source of all goodness, that man, who was created out of nothing, can do no good on his own. All the good we do, all the grace we possess comes from God. In order for that grace to work in us, we must cooperate with it. The only gift that we own completely and can give to God is our free will. Our Lady knows this. This is why in the Gospels when Saint Elizabeth said, Blessed art thou among women, our Heavenly Mother responded, 
My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Creator, for He is the, the Holy, has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Her love for mankind is great because she loves us as God loves us. Her love for us is shown beautifully in her seven sorrows. And that's the topic we will be then covering on this episode. Tradition says that Mary's heart was pierced seven times with seven swords of sorrow. This constitutes her seven dollars, Dolores, yet Archbishop Sheen says that these seven swords were indeed seven thrusts of one double-edged sword, the sword being Jesus Christ himself, one edge, going into his own sacred heart first, and the other edge going into her immaculate heart. Archbishop Sheen continues saying, an unsuffering Madonna to a suffering Christ will be a loveless Madonna, who is there, who loves, who does not want to share sorrows of the beloved. Mary could not wipe away the tears of her children unless she herself had been their fountain. She has rightly earned the title of Mother, Mother of the Afflicted. St. Paul tells us that we cannot be partakers of His glory unless we partake in His crucifixion. Being the Mother of God has made Mary no less exempt from this, or this law of sacrifice. The seven swords that pierce the Immaculate Heart of our Heavenly Mother are First, or number one, Simeon's prophecy Second, or two, the flight into Egypt Three, the three days lost in the temple Forward, meeting Jesus with his cross Five, the crucifixion Sixth, taking Jesus down from the cross. 7. The Burial of Jesus Mary's heart was one of her divine son's heart. Her sorrow was not for what she suffered, but what he had to suffer. Love never thinks of itself. If Jesus belonged to the sinner, then so will she. called to pray, fast and give alms during Lent. When we think about our schedules, busy schedules for many of us, we are then challenged to find designated times to pray. The Seven Sorrows takes away some of those challenges, if we think deeply. It's only seven Hail Marys while meditating on seven sequential events in Mary's life. So let's give it a try. Let's try it with the first sorrow. Simeon's prophecy, as mentioned before, we can then find these on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, 
Behold, this child is destined for the fall and race of many in Israel, and to be a sign what will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. A sword will pierce her soul. Can we picture that? Can we imagine Mary glancing at her baby and holding him a little tighter as she wonders in sorrow what exactly that meant? In her heart, surely knew it had something to do with Jesus. Perhaps Saint Joseph placed his hand on her shoulder, stealing his resolve to protect his wife and son at all costs. So I invite you to meditate and pray the Hail Mary. On the second sorrow, as we mentioned the flight into Egypt, we can find this in Matthew chapter 2 verses 13 to 16 when they had departed behold the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in dream and said rise take the child and his mother flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him Joseph rose and took the child and his mother and departed for Egypt Once again, perhaps we have seen a few movies and or we can use our imagination again, Mary's sorrow, and we see them leaving as they left in the middle of the night, no chance for a goodbye or a thank you to anyone there, but lots of terror will be worse. Jesus was under a death threat. Were the soldiers coming right to them? Was Joseph told to leave in the middle of the night because the threat might be imminent? Lots of questions to consider. Surely Mary and Joseph remember the prophecy that we can find in Matthew chapter 2 verse 18. A voice was heard in Ramah, sobbing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children as she will not be consoled since they were no more. Such sorrow and they were to travel to Egypt and stay there without knowing for how long. Third sorrow the loss of the child Jesus in the temple. When his parents saw him, and we can, I'm sorry, we can read this on Luke chapter 2 verses 48 through 52. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not understand that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. 
he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and was obedient to them, and his mother kept all these things in her heart. No one can even imagine not knowing where my child was for three days. Your children, your son, if you are a parent, even if you're not married, you know, your close friends. Think about that person or persons that you love very much or you hang out with. What was Mary thinking? Have he been taken? Was he alive? How many times did Mary and Joseph go up and down the streets of Jerusalem looking for him all in vain? Was Mary and Joseph in tears? Where did they go? No one can't imagine that she didn't cry, I believe. She may have even wondered if this was a sword that would pierce her heart. Mary kept all these things in her heart. She trusted God even without understanding. She accepted the cross of not knowing and embraced it. The fourth sorrow, meeting Jesus on the way of the cross. So again, I'm sure that we have seen different movies, films, and or at least have read. And comes to our mind the horror of seeing your son or somebody bloody and beaten. Mary probably only had a brief moment to reach out for him and he to her. Perhaps she was barely able to stand. What a grief to see her son. Or if you have children again, to see your son so badly bruised and covered with blood. And to know that he was being taken to his death. She knew he had escaped other situations. Why he didn't do that at this moment or at this occasion, at this time? Did she dare to think he might pass through their midst? I personally don't think so. If he had not been embraced this suffering, he would not have been carrying the cross. How she was able to endure the passion is testimony to her boundless love for God and her trust in his almighty plan. The fifth sorrow. Mary witnessed the crucifixion and the death of Jesus on the cross. So again, we imagine, we see, we picture, there she is. She stood at the foot of the cross till the end, and during the torment of watching her son, her only son, torture to death. Her courage and strength are unmanageable. There was John no doubt supporting her emotionally, if not physically at times. Let's shall fall under the weight of such sorrow. 
and Mary surely was supporting the heartbroken John as well, with the endurance of her best maternal love. For three or more hours they stood. One can only imagine what strain was the Blessed Mother's. The Sixth Sorrow The body of Jesus is taken down and laid in the arms of his Holy Mother. In that famous uh, picture, painting that we have known as the Pieta, there are really no words. It shows his pain has ended, yes, and she's able to hold him, the highest crown of thorns mocking his sovereignty no longer on him. It's impossible to know or even imagine what Mary was feeling. Was she numb? Could she feel nothing because feeling anything will be too much? It is finished. Her soul has been pierced. And while she does not know God's plan in full, she knows that he has won. Without being able to think or articulate anything, perhaps she knew that something monumental had been just accomplished. With Jesus' words, it is finished. Perhaps she had a mystical sense of what his death had brought about. And then the seventh sorrow. The burial of Jesus with Mary's tears and loneliness. We can read this on St. John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 41. Now in the place where he had been crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been buried. So they laid Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation day for the tomb was close by. We imagine that this is when the reality started to hit her, to hit Mary. Perhaps it is now that she is able to ask herself what just happened, leaning against cold stone slab, touching the burial cloth, she realizes. He's truly gone. Did she have a sense, a hint, that perhaps this was not the end of Jesus' story? We will never know in this life, not at least myself, I don't know about you. We do know, though, her heart, the heart of the greatest mother there has ever been, has been pierced with a sword.
As we have meditated, uh, we know also that the Church twice commemorates the source of its Heavenly Mother, Friday of Passion Week since the 15th century, has also been dedicated by the Universal Church to her compassion. Why is this so? To understand this double liturgy, we must know that Mary is also the mother of the mystical body. The present feast was instituted by Pius VII after his return from his captivity and exile, which lasted from 1809 till 1814. Christ no longer suffers, and for Our Lady also, all suffering as we understand it is ceased. Nonetheless, Prophet Jeremiah in his Lamentations asks, To whom shall you be compared, O virgin? Your affliction is like the ocean. A mother who is happy in her home weeps just the same over the sorrows of her children. The statues and pictures of Mary all over Europe and all over the world wept before the revolution in France and her statues weep again today in many places. The passion of Christ continues in his elect, in particular in his vicar on earth, from whom he does not separate himself, and against whom he force of hell is deployed unceasingly. The mysterious compassion of the mother is forever acquired for the mystical body of her son, which must reproduce the divine dead in its human nature, elevated above its natural condition by the superhuman power of grace. Mary's great sorrows began at the prediction of Simeon, as we mentioned and reflected before. That swore will transpire her heart. Soon afterwards, she was obliged to flee with the newborn infant, already object of a fatal search. She lost him in the temple for three and an unstandable painful days. She met him on the road to Calvary, and the sight indeed pierced her heart. She saw him die, heard his final cry, and witnessed the opening of his side with the effusion of his last drops of blood mingled with water. She received in her arms the inert body of the most beautiful of the sons of men. Finally, she was obliged to depose him in a tomb, leave him there and return with her adopted son, John, to a disciple Jerusalem. The Queen of Martyrs has never ceased to encourage her children on earth to bear their own crosses which complement the Passion of Christ. He suffered first the ordinary contradictions of life for three years he was taunted and regarded as a menace for those or by those who should have recognized him and his mission. He knew hunger, cold, and fatigue. He slept so heavily in a boat amid a tempest that we can only suppose he was exhausted. He knew what it was to be abandoned in need and to lose to the empire of various passions, followers he had called his. Christ is our forerunner in all human sorrows and difficulties. Mary, as his mother, offered to God with him all the afflictions of his earthly life, and she continues to offer those of the Church of its sanctification for the souls in purgatory and the salvation of souls.
Once again, thank you so much for joining in another episode of Know the Saints. We hear you until the next one. God bless.